Hello and welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed and I'm joined today by Emily. Hello. By Nick. Hey, yeah. And by Claire. Hey. And today we are answering the questions um, from our survey uh, that you all asked us on the section of the survey that said, if you could have one question answered by a Christian, what would it be? And we received about 100 questions and all of them are absolutely blowing our brains at the moment. So we've just spent the last kind of 20 minutes reading through them all and trying to figure out how on earth do we approach this. And uh, we're going to do our very best for you, but um, we are not going to be able to answer them all. <laughs> to give you a quick overview, um, the questions fell broadly under 12 categories. Uh, they fell under the category of suffering, uh, asking about why do you, why is there suffering in the world, uh, about the topic of inclusivity and judgment, why Christians can often be quite judgmental, why um, the church can be so divided, why there's so many... Um, denominations. There was questions about superiority and how uh, these people had, I guess, perceived that Christians consider themselves to be good people just because they are Christian. Uh, about relevance um, and how the church can be more relevant in the world. We had one question about prayer. Uh, we had a load of questions, probably that the biggest category, asking specifically about our experiences, about our testimony and our faith. Um, we had three that have gone into a category which I've called other. And those were questions um, about tax, about, um, the, about the gospel and how we feel we potentially need to apologise for it. And um, one we're going to ask later on about would the world be a better place if everyone was a Christian. We then had a whole category of people asking about proof and facts and evidence for our faith. Um, we had a whole category of people asking big questions about God, about who made God, about how we know that God loves us and whether we question our understanding of God. We had some questions about morality, about how our Christian faith influences our moral compass. And we had some questions about the Bible. So as you can imagine, it's been pretty tricky to uh, distill this down into one episode worth of content, but we have done our best and we've picked out some of the questions that really stood out to us. Um, if you would like to hear some of uh, the other questions that we haven't had a chance to get around to today, please do let us know about it in the listener group. To find it, just head on to Facebook and search SSOM listener group and you should find us there and we will be, yeah, there to just chat, there to answer questions and there to kind of share our thoughts and we'd love you to share your thoughts in that space too. So we're going to move on to the first question for today, which is how confident are you that your faith is right? Nice, easy one to start with, as always. Now you've read that, I hear it in a different way. OK, but I, just for clarity, like it, are you conf uh, how confident are you that your faith is right? Does that mean your, your faith isn't misplaced or that it is right for you? Oh, as right. Yeah, I had read that as how confident are you that your faith is correct, that you are correct about the way that you see the world and that God exists and that, um, yeah, rather than rather than particularly for me. But I, I guess you could interpret that both ways, can you? Let's answer that one then. <laughs> <laughs> go on, Claire, what were you going to say? So I was going to go with, I reckon, about a 90% in terms of, 
God, recognizing God, a higher power and Jesus about a zero percent on the fact that I've got everything right. I'm yep. pretty certain that there's a lot of what I believe or whatever that isn't that I will discover is not correct. But I'm 90 percent certain that, do you know what, the Jesus and the God and the way and who that is, is correct. It's a good distinction to make as well, because, yeah, I think if you'd asked me this five years ago, I'd have said probably 100 percent for both. But actually, I'd cringe at that now because I think a lot of the things that I used to believe to be true, I really don't anymore. In fact, quite passionately believe the opposite. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I, I don't know. I think I'm pretty high for the the whole God thing. I'm, I'm teetering 98, 99 percent, I think. Um. But actually, the intricacies of that probably about six, five or six percent. <laughs> yeah, I, I find it interesting that I guess I, I don't always see my faith in the in the lens of right or wrong or having to be correct factually about everything. Like, yeah, I, I do have a faith in God, and I'm I'm yeah ninety hundred percent sure that I believe in God that I, I think He's there, um, but. In, in terms of, like you say, the specifics in theology. And I'm not sure it's about being right. I think if it was about being right, I think God would have be- became human and sent Jesus when there was a time when we could just film him and he'd explain it all. And that would be just an accurate representation. I don't think he would have sent Jesus at a time that they would have had to, you know, pass stories on, pass on an oral tradition, get it written down in different places. But yeah, I, yeah, so I'm not sure God God cares about us being 100% right, particularly. Mm. I guess for me, my answer would be that it is, it's the lens by which I understand the world and that I've tried to understand mm. and do life without it and didn't get very far. In, um, and so it's a, cha- it's a way of thinking that hopefully leads to a different way of living um, but that for me is why I would say I would say that it is uh, right or true or whatever we want to however we want to kind of quantify that but yeah that I I see the world differently and I understand the world because of the example of Jesus and that would be my attempt at answering I think says um would the world be a better place if everyone was a christian that's a that's a really hard question actually i think most of our like immediate reaction to reading that question was like i don't know if you've got that sinking feeling in that thing of like no <laughs> in terms of like the way that we maybe like see the majority of of christians or maybe even the way that the world terms us as christians i think we all think Oh, actually, probably not. But then, you know, as we've thought about it more, we know that to be a Christian in its simplest sense is to be a follower of Jesus and to be little Jesuses in the world. And if that were the case, then surely the world would be a better place. And I guess all the extra add-ons and the thrills and the, um, you know, extra steps to righteousness that we've sort of added as we've gone along are the things that I think would would make that more complicated it's interesting because i was uh, thinking about obviously if we think about the whole world and if everyone was christians and we could say this could be a sweeping assumption that within a church people proclaim to be christians and is the church 
better than any other group which doesn't where everyone doesn't claim to be Christian that's like the micro version of the world and as we say as Emily says it should be and we like to think it is but the reality is that the case yeah I think reality is whether we're Christian or not we're all human aren't we yeah and we're all imperfect and we all make mistakes and we all are selfish sometimes and um, push others down and slip into really bad mindsets that you know that hurt others and that that is true whether you're a Christian or not so would the world be a better place if everyone is a Christian potentially not but I do agree with Emily that I, I believe having a faith that having a relationship with Jesus draws us closer into life in all its fullness um, so yeah if I do believe the world would be a better place if everyone had a close relationship with Jesus yeah I do but a bit of a follow-on to that really it's it's the same question well it's a similar question would the world be any different if everyone was a Christian what (laughs) (laughs) we'd really like to think so in a way I think it'd be a shame I know this is so strange to say but it'd be a shame to lose so much other culture and tradition because when we talk about religion when we're not we don't just talk about a set of doctrine we talk about years of you know thousands of years worth of um culture and stories being passed down and um a people's kind of narrative and one of the things i find really interesting like in the bible stories there is that like when saul becomes paul he's not asked to surrender his jewishness and completely leave that religion behind i'm not sure that in a way i've heard people talk about jesus as being the way that can accept all other ways and i find that an interesting concept i mean it it raises loads of other questions um but yeah i i'm much more concerned about jesus and people having a relationship with jesus than i am about what we sometimes call christianity which has a load of extra baggage on i don't know if you understand where i'm coming from there if i've communicated that well but yeah I haven't answered your question at all, have I, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you mean, like the like the core of what it is, what Christianity is, rather yeah. than the frills around it. And yeah, and I agree. Like I think there's so much to be learned from even from like other religions, like uh, Islam or Buddhism. Like there's so much, there's truth there. You know, uh, it, it, when we look at when we're looking for fundamental truth. So, um, so yeah, if if everybody was a Christian. Would we, would those yeah. yeah would that disappear or would that kind of tradition still yeah. remain? That I guess that's a bit of an intricacy yeah. to the to the question. But. And this mm-hmm. isn't what the topic that we're talking about, but you think about like is it Sufism that is kind of really ancient, thousands of years old? And do I believe that those people worshipped a god like with all all their heart and all their minds, and gods never used that to communicate to them? I, in the end, I, I just, I guess fundamentally, I think that if people are searching beyond searching for for God, even if they use a different name, will God not honour that and and communicate with them? I I can't imagine that God God would wouldn't take every opportunity going to communicate them whether they use the right name or not. Oh, I don't know. This is a whole other thing. We didn't plan to go here. <laughs> I'm sorry, listener. <laughs> it's my fault. I'm sorry. Can watch watch you honestly. Watch my head just combust as yeah. I spin around in circles. 
just to kind of reflect on what we've already said and what I said in terms of, yes, I think it should be a better place for all Christians, but then actually looking at the next question, which says, why do you think having the label Christian makes you a good person? Actually, there's some sort of arrogance straight away. Yeah. If I say that if everyone being a Christian makes the world a better place, if being a Christian doesn't necessarily make you a better person. Yeah, and it also doesn't necessarily mean that we're closer to holiness as well. Like if we think about the fact that in the end, Jesus is, you know, going to redeem the whole world to himself. And um, actually, if we were all Christians already, like what? I don't know, like we're, we're all work, we're all working progress, aren't we? And even being Christians doesn't change that. We're all hopefully pursuing um, to be more like Christ. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a, this <laughs> is an absolute <laughs> hole, basically. Don't know. Who asked this question? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah to read that question again why do you think having the label christian makes you a good person my first thing is thinking oh, i'm so sorry that christians have made you feel like they feel superior just because of who they are because yeah i'm sorry that that happens because that shouldn't i don't think I, I don't think that's who who what it means to be a christian i think what it means to be a christian is in a way to admit that we're broken <laughs> Um, yeah, rather yeah. than pretending that we we have it all together, I think, and I think there's a distinction to make there actually because, um, I you know I've got a friend who who has sort of said before things like oh well you know it's different for you because you live your life in this good way and and I think oh I don't know I don't really know about that I suppose the difference is that to live as though you are loved is different to living mm. as though you believe you're inherently good. And I think that's the difference for me, hopefully, is that, yes, I know that I don't necessarily live my life in any better way, but I hopefully know that I'm loved in spite of that and that I'm beloved by God in spite of that weakness and in spite of that brokenness. Um, so our lives as Christians, I think that, that, you know, they should look different in the sense that, the knowledge of being loved by God should change, um, you know, the way that we live. But does that necessarily mean that we're we're better? No. Have I? I don't know if I've, I've articulated that very well. And then my computer started doing updates. So <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what I would say. Yeah, I think there is a difference. To, there is a, a distinction to be made there. Hmm. Yeah, I think like the for me that the the acceptance of uh, of God for for me makes makes sense of when you put yourself up against perfection, you kind of suddenly realise how how far off it you are, mm. um, and and I'm not, that's not like you know like in a self deprecating way, but but certainly I, I wouldn't see that just because I. I believe in God. It, it elevates me to another platform above those that don't. If anything, it makes me, you know, mucking along alongside everybody else that isn't, because we're all, you know, we're all created equal, aren't we? We're all created in, in the eyes of God. We are all just loved, and that's that's the end of it. It's, and I'm glad you said that, Emily, about living as if you are loved, because that is the distinction of of accepting that. Uh, so we're not perfect, and 
and it was nice that you said this straight away. No, sorry that you've been made to feel that way because that's not, you know, that's not it. That's not how it should be. And and really, perhaps there's just there's some food for thought there as to um, as to how we can, yeah, perhaps not give that impression or or certainly stop when that impression is being given. Just to check and say, you know, we don't we don't have the answers. I think we're kind of proving that already that we don't have the answers to these big questions or or even some of the little questions as well. But I, I don't think, yeah, I think we're all to say we're all equal in the eyes of God and we're all loved by Him. So that doesn't make any one person better or worse than anybody else. Okay, moving on then. Our next question um, is, if God created us, who created God? What do you think, Emily? (laughs) 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 Beautiful. (laughs) Oh, it's a, yeah. Can we just say, I don't know. Yeah, it just, I think at some point, something just has to have existed like whether that be the universe or God or whatever, at some point it has to have started. Yeah. <laughs> all, all systems of belief run into a problem here, don't they? Because mm-hmm. everything starts with nothing and then there being something. Um, and I guess the belief in God is just saying, well, if that's the case, then there has to be something beyond our, our understanding, beyond our our beginnings and ends of time our presence of physical matter and all that there has to be something that doesn't fit within our our logic and our our understanding of physics and i guess there you just have to say well god god is um and god has always been and yeah i i, I some people will not like that answer but it's it's as good as you know two particles hit into each other and we had the big bang or um they have the same problem in every system yeah so i'm not sure we can give a, a helpful answer to people there <laughs> yeah science falls over this as well doesn't it like you say that, that at some point you know if particles band together where the particles come from or you know where the universe comes into existence at some point so i think you can for those that perhaps not necessarily believe in god i think there's a definite parallel there to if you think of interchange god with the universe at some point something is and starts and that's that's how i try to look at it and I, I wouldn't even begin to be in the conversation with people clever enough to answer that those kind of questions i was trying to think of a lovely analogy but i'm still searching for it <laughs> what's the closest you've gotten <laughs> nowhere nowhere <laughs> <Okay>. fair <laughs> I guess it I guess this for me this sort of question is a scientific question in itself. I think this is this kind of question is the reason that many great scientists have, have believed in God, isn't it? Because they're searching for answers, trying to put to the test um different theories and different strategies and seeing what they come up with and hmm. um you know that that is where science has its roots and um it's a very good very good question. I remember in back in my sort of earlier youth work days, a young person saying to me, "How can God have a baby and the baby be himself?" <laughs> and I was like, "Hold up! Like, I didn't come into youth work for this kind of questioning." <laughs> um, but yeah, there are just some questions that we have to 
accept that we don't have the answers to. This is one of them, one of them I think. I just tried Googling who created God, but I accidentally Googled who created Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Can we answer that one? <laughs> I can't even pronounce the name. <laughs> yeah, I love that. We can't answer this question, but one question we can answer is who created Godzilla. There you go. Paul, I'm glad to know that you're Googling in his absence as well. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. So our next question kind of follows on a similar line about how we can have science and faith working together. And it specifically asks, how does evolution and Christianity coexist? I think there's a myth that it doesn't. Yeah, I think it seems to be. And I think that's sometimes perpetuated by um, some fundamental churches that say, you know, not to, to Darwin and in that theory but i don't having read the bible i don't see any any cause to say well both those things can be true there's, there's not nothing that's mutually exclusive about evolution and creation hmm. unless unless i'm reading wrong i don't know what you guys think no i remember just me with um i remember sort of doing re at school and doing like a kind of poster or a storyboard of Christ what Christians believe about creation. And it was literally, this is, you have to separate it into the seven days and draw a picture of each different day. And, you know, when I think back to that, I think some people will never actually get beyond that basic, the way that that is condensed into something that is easy for students yeah. to understand. And, and this idea that, all Christians believe God created the world in seven days and it was as simple as this. And you know, if I go back to then, I would probably have just been sat there thinking, is this what I believe? You know, because it you know it really isn't. But as we've passed on the story, and probably in churches as well, condensed it down to teach it to younger people in order to understand God's sovereignty and God's authorship and God's creative hand, we've condensed it to mean that some people just think we do believe that it happened in those parameters of time and mm. that kind of way. And of course that's not, you know, well, I, it certainly didn't happen that way as far as I can see. Um, and yet the, you know, the opening of Genesis, what does it do? It really points to what God as creator um, of all the mm. amazing things that we just can't wrap our head around. Yeah. And it's, yeah, speaks more of the creator and the creative hand with it. I often preach on creation, but not in terms of that context of that story, but actually God has created it in whichever form that looks like the, and the why behind it and the hand behind it, not necessarily the actual logistics and the specifics. And so how do we respond to creation and the responsibility that puts on us and looking at mm. stories within scripture and how that's the very start of the Bible. But then as we look at other things, actually, and this is sometimes when people struggle with the what is truth and does a story have to be factually true to have truth within it? Mm. And that's a much bigger issue that we probably can't go into tonight. But thinking about, you know, what is what is the truth of creation and can and both can be true. It's just the understanding of what truth is. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think this does come back to how we read the Bible in many ways and what 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 it means to look at this collection of stories, of poems, of letters and all sorts of different types of literature that weren't all meant to be read literally. I love the phrase that we need to read the Bible literally, not literally. Um, I think that's really helpful. But um, yeah, we, we've kind of we've spoken a lot about this in some other episodes. So if you'd like to kind of hear more on that, I would head over to episode 18 or episode 32. And you may hear some more of our thoughts on the Bible. next question is a question that has confused and confounded so many people over the centuries and it's that question of why do we have to suffer i don't know yeah there's a i think um there are certain like stock answers aren't there when it comes to the yeah. question and there are truth in the stock answers so for example suffering is all part of the adventure that sounds awful and cliche, but there is truth to the fact that God refines us through periods of suffering. We grow in character. You know, I'm thinking of um, the, the scripture that says perseverance produces character and character hope. And, you know, there is, there is absolutely truth in that. I just think that our understanding of it stops when it becomes certain types of suffering and when we actually can't find ways Oh, we can't find um, we can't find meaning on earth for that. We can't see yeah. the outworking of that suffering. And I think, yeah, and I think sometimes where there, where there's no easing of that, um, you, when you hear of like particularly tragic circumstances or lives where you just think, how can one person? have experienced so much suffering in one life. And I guess that's where those stock answers of, you know, well, God refines us through the fire and perseverance produces character. That's where our human understanding of it falls down. Um, mm -hmm. So do I think that there is, there is purpose for suffering? Yes, I absolutely do. Do I like it? No, not at all. Um, yeah. 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 I was reading a really challenging book called The Cross and the Lynching Tree, recently by James Cone. And in it, he, he talks about suffering and how communities who have experienced suffering like the most. And he, he particularly talks about kind of um, the lynchings in America and kind of the, how um, African-Americans were treated. And he, he says that actually throughout history communities and peoples that have been um, oppressed and been forced to suffer the most have often had the strongest faith Fastest and have churches as well yeah yeah and and they grow really quickly and and actually that that's a really interesting thing and one of the heart like one of the core messages of christianity isn't that we won't experience suffering in our world and in our life but actually that we have a god that will experience suffering alongside us mm. and that's i guess what he points to in the cross that we have a god who rather than standing separate and refusing to get involved in the messiness and suffering of human experience he chooses to come and experience it alongside us so i always think about this question there, there are two questions here there's one is why do we experience suffering and 
I kind of have to put my hands up to that one and say, I, I don't know. But the next question, if you accept that first one, is if we have to experience suffering for some reason, what would a loving God do? And for me, a loving God would come and experience it with us, would come and walk by our side and have a deep personal knowledge of what it means to go through that. And I think that's what we see in Jesus. So that framing of that question kind of gives me hope. Mm. And I think as well, you know, uh, God is a God of comfort, isn't he? And I think, you know, sometimes when you just feel so, so down or so bereft or so grief stricken that you feel like almost nothing can ease your mind. You can't rationalize your thought processes. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you don't feel that you can sort of catch a break. I think one of the things that can be the most comforting is the embrace of a loved one, you know, and mm. without meaning to get too sentimental. If I am physically next to my husband, my mind is eased because of his presence, not because of anything that he can say to me, but because of his presence. And I do think that that, you know, there's a parallel there, isn't there? Mm. With that God is, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, that very presence. For me, in my own, in my own experience, the, the periods of suffering have often been when I've called on the name of Jesus most often and faster. Um, so, yeah. It's a hard question, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, sometimes because we talk about why do we have to suffer? And I think Emily touched it a little bit. But some in terms of, it's not sometimes we, we can understand our more suffering than when we see people across the world who do, like have one tragedy after the next. And in terms of perhaps why do some people suffer more than others is sometimes the hardest thing there. It's like the whole thing taking it to a next level in terms of miracles. Mm. And in terms of why does God heal in some cases and not in other cases? And you kind of want, you kind of want there to be the same ground rules for everyone, don't you? Yeah. You do this, this happens. But actually some people, their lives are just, it is one event after the next, after the next, after the next. What, and what is it? Bible passage isn't there in terms of whose sin caused this suffering, and then Jesus is like, it's not anyone's sin, mm. but you still try and do that kind of cause and effect thing. And some things do have a consequence. Some suffering is simply the consequence of human choices, but there's so much which isn't. Yeah, and that's the whole extra element, isn't it? Do you think as well that we can interpret our own suffering much more easily than we can? The suffering of others when when like you think about your own circumstances um you know if I've got stuff going on in my own personal life then I can control the way that I react to that and I can and actually professionally I deal with suffering and grief an awful lot and I can control the way that I cope and respond to that but when somebody that I deeply love is going through a period of suffering and I can't control it um, and I can't control the way they respond to it that is one of the hardest things I think and I and I think that when we see that objective suffering as well like when we see it in the news presented to us in, in those certain ways I think quite often the suffering of others is one of the hardest things and in that desire to ease other people's suffering it's something of Christ himself isn't it that he's made us that way to want to ease another person's suffering um and it it, it takes you back doesn't it to just Jesus in in the garden <laughs> and the question of just like take this cup from me lord and and even crying out why why have you forsaken me um 
Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely, it's recognizing that we can be real about that suffering and not try to always give answers for it. Because, yeah, as you say, Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? And yet so often we try to perhaps present that image that we're okay with suffering. We've got all these right answers. We can compartmentalize it and justify it. Whilst actually, you see things. And as we've gone around the houses to say, actually, we still don't know. We still can't wrap it up in terms of why it is that suffering. And being real and authentic with that makes a difference. Yeah, so the next question, uh, moving on, is um, is uh, in two parts, I guess. So is it not arrogant of us to believe that we are so awesome that we must have been created as we are by a higher power in the face of no evidence whatsoever? So I guess it probably chunk, chunking that up is to, is it arrogant of us to believe that we are so awesome that we've been created? And then the second bit was about the no evidence whatsoever. I I completely don't really agree with this one. <laughs> I think I'm coming from a completely different place with it, and I, I imagine I am because um, this is written in a, a fairly provocative way, isn't it? That um, that they're clearly wanting to to get across that that idea of having no evidence whatsoever. But uh, and I think to consider it arrogance is quite harsh because I don't think the Christian claim is that humans are the one redeeming thing of creation that point towards there being a higher power i think the christian claim is that the world creation the cosmos the universe the intricacies of an ant to the enormity of the sun all of this amazing creation around us is so amazingly designed and intricate and works together so well for life to exist that it must be created that the chances of it just spontaneously happening out of nowhere are next to none and surely that means that that it is designed by a god because looking at our world looking at like how things work and the biology of everything i i can't believe that it's all just out of nothing and it's all just chance it's all just a roll of the dice i yeah i can't believe that and i don't think it's arrogant to say that i think that's having an appreciation of how amazing the universe is and yeah, that, that includes the human body, that includes consciousness and the fact that we can enjoy community, we can love, we can laugh, we can play music and do all the things that we love. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I'm not coming from the same place as the person who asked this question, clearly. And we're both, yeah. we're both fearfully and wonderfully made and loved by this amazing creator. And we're also as insignificant in the world as a grain of sand at the same time. And I think that as long as we hold those things in tension, then there should be no sense of arrogance about it at all. It's like, wow, God made this incredible universe and also thinks that there should be one of me in it. That's like quite, that's a humbling thing, isn't it? More than an arrogance. I would say it's the opposite actually of, of an arrogance. Um, and actually the fact of the matter is that so many people live their lives not really embracing that truth and not really embracing the fact that their life has purpose. And I think that the Christian faith offers us that idea, an amazing creator God um, breathed your existence into life. And I would say there are probably more people that struggle with believing in their own awesomeness than there are people that think that they're mm. failing. But I don't know. 
I think I'm thinking the same, Emily. Like for me, thinking about creation is is a really humbling experience. Rather, it doesn't it doesn't fill me full of my own self importance, but quite the opposite. It it kind of makes you think of how yeah how little even just in if you look at how many people have been and how many of them have impacted history. Like just to be one of one of those people and just to impact the little bit of history around me, not necessarily worldwide, not necessarily throughout the ages, but just this little bit that, you know, God's plan was for me to be here now and to to do this little bit. That's really humbling rather than uh, rather than yeah, making me feel like I've you know of all the self importance in the world. Um, I'll be honest, it did get a bit of a reaction that I mean the last bit of it in the face of no evidence whatsoever um just seemed it, it's a it's purposefully provocative I, I understand that but to me that where's the evidence that there isn't a higher power if you can present that to me then then fine but I, I think this if I actually lay down my experience of life I could probably collect quite a big folder of evidence of creation and, and God um so I'd, yeah and I'd happily discuss that with anyone who or if, if the person who wrote that's listening then it'd be lovely to have that conversation because I, I think it, it'd be it'd take me longer to well it took me about about a month or two just to write all those little things down I think that there's so many things that I can see that point towards God and the older I get the more I can see it so um so yeah it's I'd say that there's quite a bit of evidence and and that I don't think it's arrogant I think it's humble so our final question of this podcast is to think about something and how faith is impacted us as an individual and it was was there one particular moment you can remember that made you think or realize yes i believe in god um, my answer kind of follows in from what you've been talking about creation and for me one of the moments was i was privileged to go to malawi a few years ago well like 10 years ago actually um, and I was out there and I was uh, staying at Lake Malawi and I remember seeing the fishermen go off across the lake at night time and the sky above was just so beautiful with the stars and seeing all, all the stars the moon and everything there and at that moment I recognized that the god of the stars and the god of the moon and the god of the, the heavens is the same person who created all the fishermen that went off and the same God that created me. And kind of that, as you were saying, that humbling experience of recognizing that we are part of creation. And as you say, the God who created the heavens is the God who chose to create me. And that was a real moment for me where I was like, yes, there has got to be this creator God out there. What about you guys? I'm finding it hard to pick just one, to be honest. Um, I feel like I, I I have this realization almost daily. <laughs> you know, whether it's something as small as I, I guess maybe that they were asking about the first time I I had that realization. But for me, it's not so much that I had this realization once and then I've never really thought about it again. It's it's something I'm always asking, something I'm always experiencing. Whether that's um, just being in the car and having a certain song that comes on the radio speaking to my my day and whether you claim that as me reading into it or not sometimes that is a really profound experience for me um whether it's kind of going on a walk and being in a really beautiful place and just admiring god's creation or being surrounded by other 
friends and worshipping together and just hearing God speak to me in a way that just, yeah, turns my life around, which has happened. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I, I, it's happens all the time and it's something that, you know, I, I don't think I could be a Christian without having that, that reminder, pull it, drawing me back. It's almost like when I, I step away too far, God has this way of stepping back into my life. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that answers the question, but. Hard to kind of, yeah, I, th I think similarly, it's really hard to to pinpoint one thing. I can remember the, the first time I, like, God kind of revealed himself to me was, it was actually an issue probably longer ago than I care to admit. Um, um, and it was, um, it was just a real sense of, something else is is happening around me and i can't really figure out what it is and it took a while just to kind of, for that to kind of sink in to to figure out what what this experience was that i'd had it was it was sort of a very like a very real um feeling that that, that god was within the room and certainly within me as well um and it, to put that into words without sounding crazy is very very difficult um, but it was such a real thing for me. And, and as I say, at the time, I probably didn't really um, understand too much about what was going on. I could just feel that there's something else going on and it took a little while to to reconcile that. Um, but then as that, it's kind of been a bit of a landslide. I think that, that being the first moment and then beyond that, it's, oh, and this, and this, and this. Um, and that can be any of the, you know, the things that you mentioned, Ed, and yeah, going for a walk and seeing um creation or, or you know friends and family having babies and things like that the beauty of of new life and all these things that you see where you can really recognize god being within them um so i guess yeah it's probably been a bit of a sliding scale and the the further down you get the faster it becomes the more you can see yeah i think like all of you really lots of different moments for me that have been confirmation and also maybe a period of my life where I didn't really follow Jesus as well. And so therefore I would say that there's probably been a couple of moments where I've intentionally thought that I need to turn back my life over to Jesus. And um, maybe like times where I was living um, in a way that, um, like wasn't in accordance with how God made me to be. And what I mean by that is not like a sense of moral living, but I mean about actually living free from insecurity, free from jealousy, free from um, greed, I guess. And when I've found myself living in that way, I think we've spoken before about this sense of like discord, haven't we, within our soul. And I think that we can, we can live fairly happy lives, but not feel like our souls are being nourished because we're not actually living the way God really intended us to be. And I think in my life, there's been times where I've, I've examined myself and my heart and thought to myself, I don't think I'm living um, fully in the way that Jesus wanted me to. And when I've had that realization, you know, I've turned back to God in prayer and made some things right with myself and so I think was there one particular moment that made me realize yes I believe in God I don't know if I could pinpoint that but have there been moments in my life where I've thought I need God because my soul isn't nourished 
yes, there definitely have been those. And then for the, you know, like the rest of you really, I see God in my friends. I see God in those moments where my colleagues have all been praying bizarrely about the same thing. And then we have a conversation about it and we're like, oh, you've been praying about that as well. And, you know, those those things that other people may just put down to coincidence, but that actually when you have a relationship with God, you know, are from him, I think. Uh, just before we end, there was one question on the survey which did stand out to me as well. I thought it'd be good for us just to quickly, have, uh, just quickly discuss it. And it was someone asking, "Can I be a Christian?" And I'm not sure where that question was coming from. Whether the, it was someone wondering whether they would be accepted, whether it was someone wondering whether God would want them to be a Christian, or for whatever reason they're wondering whether there's room for them within Christianity. And just wanted to say that. Absolutely, yes. God loves you and God loves every, all of you listening to this podcast right now and always has and always will. And he is overjoyed that you're even considering, you know, considering whether whether he's there or asking these questions. So I don't want anything to make you feel like there is not room for you in God's family because he absolutely desires you to be there and absolutely has a place for you. And that's just about all we have time for today. Uh, thank you so much for bearing with us through this um, <laughs> hailstorm of questions that have come through there. I'm, I assure you that we uh, did everything we could to keep it under an hour, and I think we've just about managed that. Um, there are loads of questions, obviously, that we couldn't answer, and if there is one that you feel, um, or what are the categories we mentioned at the start that you think we could do with spending more time on, please do let us know in the listener group so to do that head over to SSOM listener group on Facebook and you'll be able to just comment in there uh, what you'd like to hear us talk about and we will do our very best to make that happen as always we really appreciate you listening and we hope to see you at the next episode be well